Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Bandering the Blue Shirts, your bi-weekly New York Rangers podcast, hosted by myself, Joe Fortunato, and my always sturdy and stable co-host, Michael Merkel Murphy. You just gave me compliments you would normally give to like a, a trustworthy nightstand or a well, folding table. You are the nightstand of this show, so you should be pleased. I like that. Um, I'm the nightstand of the show. Like yeah, that. this and I am the lamp that illuminates the Rangers universe, but I wouldn't exist without that nightstand. Well, you would. You just might not be as Right, high. I wouldn't illuminate anything. I would just be on the floor. It's the difference between a, a bonfire and a lighthouse. You see, it's the it's the body of the lighthouse that gets the light going to where it has to go. Hmm. Um, I love you, Joe. I love you too, buddy. Uh, welcome. This is the flagship show. We uh, surprisingly have a lot to talk about this week. Um, we you also didn't got see, didn't see all these things coming. But here we <laughs> no, are. we also got a trillion bantering points questions, so we'll probably go a very light uh, flagship this week, just as a fair warning, and then um, we'll we'll kind of go into depth with the uh, with the Q and A show. Yeah, but also uh, it's it's worth saying a lot of the developments that happened this week are things we're going to be talking about. You know, the news that happened is going to affect really how we look at next season, and it's going to be stuff we talk about all summer, right? These it's true. It's, there's a couple of signings of, uh, and, a, and a trade. Yeah, there's a lot of weird... I don't even know, you know if weird is the right word, but if there's just crazy stuff going on right now. So let's do it this way. Um, yeah. This is the flagship. Let's start with the Adam Fox trade, which happened last week. Um, worst kept secret in hockey, Adam Fox, the... The Calgary drafted defenseman who was traded to Carolina in the Dougie Hamilton deal um, is a junior in Harvard, and it was very clear that the Jericho-born defenseman wanted nothing more than to play for the New York Rangers, was not going to sign in Calgary, that's why they traded him, was not going to sign in Carolina, and he got traded to the Rangers because they were the only team that he was going to sign with, and because he is an NCAA drafted player, if he played in all four years in the NCAA, he becomes a free agent in mm. late August or maybe early August of next year. So it really became kind of this stare down, and you and I discussed, uh, maybe not at length, but what exactly Jeff Gordon was going to do. Because on one hand, there's assets that would need to be given up to acquire a player such as Adam Fox, and then uh, they could simply wait and hoard their assets and hope that he still wants to join the team next year. And 
uh, I wrote a story on it. So if you read Blue Shirt Panther, my thoughts are kind of out there. But, Mike, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this deal. Well, it is. They did give up a lot. And I know the I know the title of the story you wrote and uh, also know the body of it because I read it. And I know your stance is they gave up maybe a little too much to get Adam Fox, but it's okay. Um, the way I look at it is the Rangers clearly loved this kid's desire to be a part of the organization. They loved the idea of what he could bring to that blue line. And something that you have mentioned, and I know Adam mentioned as well in, a, in his piece that offered a, more of a like more of a complete scouting report on, on what Fox is, because uh, when, tr- when the trade rumors started developing, I dug into the numbers, but I didn't get to watch a lot of film, uh, which I know Adam does when he breaks down prospects. And you know, looking at what he is now, he can be a guy who's here and ready, um, and will you know be further along in his uh, development curve and development path, I should say, than some of these guys who we know we want to be a part of the equation, like the Keandre Millers and uh, you know the Nils Lundqvist and things like that. So it's it's a guy who's a little bit further along the path, and there's no doubt about it that he has the the skill set to be an NHL player. And it's funny to me because I think about the last time the Rangers made a trade like this, and really the last the last kind of similar situation or a player of a similar type was really the D'Angelo coming over, right? It's a, a young offensive D, but for very, very different reasons was available. Um, and Fox, by all accounts, you know, has the makings to be you know, a player better than Tony D'Angelo's ceiling if things go well. The two the two second round picks is a little I don't know, Joe, it's it is what it is to some extent, and the Rangers certainly had the picks to afford that. You know, they I just finished writing up um you know, our, our report card season trying to get those all done before we get into, you know, uh, more extensive draft coverage and you know Gorton had five picks in the first two rounds, and now that's not the case. The Rangers sent away their second this year, um, and right now uh, their third is in is in Carolina's hands, and meaning their third in 2020, uh, and that will likely end up being the Rangers' second. What a little interesting wrinkle to all this, Joe, is that it's now kind of tricky for the Rangers to offer sheet uh, because they don't have their own second. So that might take that out of the equation. If yeah, which might not be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it um, might not don't be. Don't forget that all, yeah. all offer sheets for this summer would take away 2020 draft picks. So yeah. um, the Rangers gave up a third, but it's a conditional second. So they really yeah. wouldn't be able to offer sheet anybody in the just third round range or anything that requires a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, now, anybody worth offer sheeting is going to cost four first round picks. So that's a completely different yeah. topic altogether. But I mean, here's my take on, on Adam Fox and... Basically, Jeff Gordon looked at this and he said, I can either wait a year and hope nothing changes and still get him, or I can get him right now. And did he overpay? Yes. But the Rangers are also dealing from a position of strength. And when I utilize the terminology overpay, 
I'm saying it from the with the context that this is a kid that would have come to the Rangers for nothing next year. And that's a very dangerous game to play if if you're the New York Rangers because things can change. Maybe he plays in Harvard and he falls in love with Boston. Or, I mean, maybe he has second thoughts and goes back to Calgary. I don't know. Is it likely? No. But here's the flip side. He's 21 years old. He's dominating the college ranks. He had 48 points in 33 games this year for Harvard. This is not somebody who's not ready for NHL action. And the Rangers have a desperate need for talent on their blue line. Him, D'Angelo, and Kevin Shattenkirk, and we'll get to him in a minute, um, they do create sort of this very imposing trio of offensive defensemen. And right now, I would say the, the most likely outcome for Adam Fox is that he's a second pair defenseman who plays monster minutes on the power play. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think Adam Fox is the next P.K. Subban. I think you'd be ridiculous to kind of make the assumption that, oh, those numbers are going to translate and he's going to be a point-per-game player in the NHL. I don't think that's realistic at all. But the Rangers had five picks in the first two rounds. Yes, they gave up their 37th overall pick this year, which is significant because that's close enough to the first round that you can get a dropping talent. There were certainly similar players available when the Rangers picked at 39th last year. But one of the things that you need to remember is every single draft pick has a basically a productivity value, right? There's this expected value that you get from a draft pick. And assuming the pick the trade is two second round picks, which I think it's fair to say at this point it is because yeah, he's going to play more than 30 games in the yeah. NHL. Um, you would beg and plead to get a player like Adam Fox in the second round. A prospect of that caliber in the second round is maybe a one in five shot. So, yeah, it might seem like a lot to trade two first round picks, but you're trading the mystery two box seconds. for Adam Fox. Or, yeah, two seconds. Sorry. You're yeah. training the mystery box the, for Adam Fox. You know what you have in Adam Fox. The mystery box could be Adam Fox, or it could be the mystery box. Ryan Gropp was a second-round pick, just as like a, a very yeah. close-knit example. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, so you take the sure thing, and the Rangers took the sure thing. And Gordon, he, he had three first-round picks last year. He had two the year before. He's guaranteed two this year. He may get a third if Dallas wins their game seven. So... At the very least, you're looking at seven first-round picks in three years. He can deal two second-round picks and feel okay about it. And they still have two second-round picks. They're going to be further back in the draft, but Dallas and Tampa, Tampa's going to be at the very end. You're still talking about value there. So this is a luxury that the Rangers could afford. And at some point, and I mentioned this in my story, and Mike, I know you're, you're waiting to go, so I'll yeah, speed this up. I'm trying to talk, and you just want to ramble and ramble to the Joe well, show. This is, what, this is what I do. I get my moment. I just go with it. Um, the yeah. Rangers have a just a basically dearth of A prospects. They have Heedle. They have Kravstoff. They have Miller, they have Lundquist, and now they have Fox. And they have so many B and C guys, the Leah Andersons of the world and the Brett Howdens of the world and the Lieber Hayeks of the world and all these players that they've kind of accumulated in these trades that it's nice to see them go out and get what they want and they got an A prospect. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, but all, that's I feel like you just made a great point, right? Like we talk about these guys that we want to be a part of the solution. And, you know, there's a couple of guys we don't exactly know where they're going to fit into, you know, the picture. Igor Rikov being one of them and, you know, Lieber Hayek who had that, like, really brief 
uh, little taste of the NHL, and he looked relatively solid. And then before we could really get a good sample size of him, after being very critical of what was going on in the NHL and his lack of uh, offensive production, he gets hurt. But going back to Fox, I, I would be fascinated to know what the reaction would be to this trade, Joe, if instead of the Rangers' own second-round pick, if the pick that was on the on the pick that went back to Carolina was Tampa's second, um, like it it might not sound like a lot, but to me, I would be a great deal more comfortable. And I know some people might roll their eyes at that, but the Rangers' second-round pick was so early that, like you said, you have a great opportunity to find someone falling there. And I also have a little bit of anxiety about the Rangers wasting, and again, way premature to say this, uh, wasting a second-round pick last season uh, in drafting Olaf Lindholm. And, like, that is that is what it is, and we'll find out what what becomes of uh, that goaltender. And it, it's... It's a shame because he actually had a serious injury this season that kind of derailed him, and he'll uh, he'll be playing in uh, Allsvenskan, so the the sweet the SHL's version of uh, the AHL uh, next season. And it's there's just it's a lot to give up for a guy like a guy that you could get if you waited another year for nothing, but a lot can change in that year. Um, there could be teams that yeah, and that's could, really could what it comes down Fox to. A something. bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Yeah, the thing that strikes me the most curious. The, and about here's the other thing: the Rangers have. No, I just want to get this one more point through. The Rangers have, right now, a really, you know, even with McQuaid gone, and even, even if we just cut Clayson out of the picture, right? There's a logjam. There's too many bodies, and it just makes a buyout or a trade like feel that much more inevitable right now because it kind of has to happen especially if fox is in the picture next season which it would be kind of crazy if if he isn't like he might get some seasoning in the ahl and you know that's that's to be expected and and quite fine but you know they have to re-sign pionk they have to re-sign d'angelo they'll probably just cut ties with freddie clayson and then they have shattenkirk stall shea brennan smith Lever Hayek, who even if you count him out of the equation, we're still dealing with, you know, uh, D'Angelo is not going to go back to the HL. We have a lot of bodies here. You know what I mean? Especially on the right side. Yeah, and there's also there's something to be said about getting Adam Fox to come into the lineup and get a year's worth of experience before he becomes 22 years old. You, you hit the nail on the head. A lot can happen in a year. Is it likely that Adam Fox would be this gung-ho about the Rangers, grew up a Rangers fan? You can go back and look at old tweets about how much he's a Rangers fan. Um, is it likely that he would turn around and say, oh, I'm going to go somewhere else? No. But there's a risk there, and Jeff Gordon would be lambasted for not making the effort to get him right now if he had the opportunity to, which he did. Um, But 22-year-old Adam Fox, with a year of NHL experience under his belt, is infinitely more valuable than 22-year-old Adam Fox, who just played his fourth year in the NCAA with Harvard. And that's something that you need to keep in mind, too, because the Rangers are beginning this sort of... um, They're starting to take off again. If you think about the rebuild as like them landing the plane on the runway, they're starting to take off again. The Rangers are, they're beginning that process of kind of getting the engines revving and and going through that. We're going back towards contention. And 
They won the lottery. They're bringing in an impact player this summer. They may get another one in Panarin. Now with Fox, they have the core of a, a decent defense. There's a lot that goes into the New York Rangers suddenly being a team that may look to try and you know, take that next step either this year or next year. And having Adam Fox on the team with that experience under his belt is an enormous boon versus Adam Fox where, oh, we'll see what he does now that he's a 22-year-old finishing his fourth year in college. So there is something to be said for that as well. Yeah, there's something to be said about having that young player here today in the lineup developing now because the the other part of the rebuild that I think a lot of people tend to overlook, Joe, is, yeah, we're getting all these picks and prospects, but they got they need some time in the oven right they need they need to got to cook you know, got to cook in that oven it's, some ham it's a, it's an interesting phrase we heard um with the edmonton debacle and uh you know shirelli and everything that happened there is you know edmonton wants to now keep players in you know development meaning in the ahl until they almost over ripen that's the language like you want them to be ready uh you don't want to rush them and then kind of spoil their development because that is a real thing that happens. Uh, it happens a lot, actually. So having a guy like Fox who's further along and got got that little bit of extra opportunity uh, playing NCAA hockey, you know, he's not he's not an eighteen year old kid. You know, this is a guy who's you know was heading into what would be his senior season, so he's a rising senior. But obviously, we expect him uh, in the NHL next season. And now it's a good it's a pretty darn good guy to plug into your lineup. I mean, he's the same age as Libor Hayek right now, I believe. So he's 21. I I like it from for a lot of reasons, but I, I just like you, I'm just a little like oh, I could have done with a slightly smaller price tag, but it is it's kind of the going rate to get a guy. I mean, it really wasn't that long ago where Adam Fox was a part of that giant trade uh, between Calgary and Carolina you know that was that was the last time his name was really up in the up in the headlines before uh, the Rangers acquired him this is a guy who teams wanted and even though they knew there was a risk of him signing Carolina still wanted him and they wanted him for a reason yeah they thought they were going to keep him and they didn't um and that matters too all right next topic uh and I'm gonna I've been calling him Shesterkin. I think we got to call him Shesterkin now because he changed yeah, I guess the spelling he, of his name. Yeah, because I know I was. It was frustrating, especially with things like SEO and stuff, right? Where you want to make sure you get the the player's name right. Um, and when you see it, Shesterkin, you're kind of you want to say it phonetically, like Shesterk. Uh, but uh, now he's with the with the signing Shesterkin. So I guess we're going to go with Shesterkin or Shesterkin for now. Yeah, so we're going with Shesterkin. Um, he signed his entry-level contract, as did um, Vitaly Kravstov. Uh, the Rangers... Igor Rykov is a little bit of a different situation, it appears. Um, he may stay in the KHL for another year. I believe the Rangers own his rights for a couple of years, so um, that's not a big deal. They don't really have space for him now in the NHL anyway, but we'll see what happens there. But let's flip the switch a little bit. We finally got what we wanted we got Shesterkin and Kravstov coming over Shesterkin there was some unsolicited reports that he didn't want to come over because of Henrik Lundqvist that obviously turned out not to be true Mike how happy are you that they're here we don't have to worry about that anymore and we're able to move forward now with really two of the Rangers top prospects if not the two top prospects in the system it's it's really exciting honestly um because this is 
and this is like what I was just talking about. You have to wait for these guys, you know, to ripen. Uh, but we also we know that Shesterkin is just a proven talent um, in the KHL. I mean, goalies don't put up numbers the way he put up numbers in the KHL at his age. Even though he was on the team he was on, he still was a truly exceptional guy. It, it mean it really speaks volumes, Joe, that we could have. A goalie have a season like Yorgiev had, right? Like, he had such a great year. He exceeded everyone's expectations. He had better numbers than Hank. And he's not the young Russian goalie we're excited about. <laughs> like, it's it's Igor. That's the real prize. And, you know, from, from following along the past season or two and knowing how his stock has just, it's just climbed and climbed and climbed. And knowing what we've seen out of Kravtsov already and knowing... How important it is to get you know that that skill in in the Rangers you know in lineup with with young players who can make the difference. Now it's really exciting to know that there's just going to be another kind of a another installment like a, a new crop of of that youthful energy that is really what the rebuild has to be. It has to be these guys that click and stick. And you know I think we got promising signs at times last season from uh you know d'angelo and and howden specifically even though we we all know what howden's underlying numbers are and and what the gold drought was all about and like yeah but you know it's still exciting to have a, a kid of his age who really wasn't supposed to make noise you know carve his way into the lineup and seeing what Heedle can do and butcher the big year and you know can't really call butcher prospect anymore but we can definitely call Kravstov a prospect. And uh, you know what? There's a little, nice little Russian, you know, subculture going on here. And I'm, I'm all for it. I like it, Joe. I like it. Well, the, the Rangers sort of have this European connection thing going again, too, where, you know, you have Anderson, you have Hedl. Now they're bringing in um, Kravstov and you have Buchnevich and Kreider speaks Russian. And then, you know, you have Shostyurkin coming in now and Georgiev and... Um, there's just so many it, – it, it's interesting because the Rangers for a long while were kind of this North American team, and it, it is sort of making this turn back toward, well, you know, we're looking at just plain skill. And the Rangers surprised a lot of people by going with Kravstov last year, and they look like geniuses right now. I don't think there was any legitimate concern that either of them were not going to come over. Um, the Kravstov stuff really never reached a life of its own, nor should it. He actually tried to get out of his contract last year, and he couldn't. Um, he put up a fantastic year in the KHL this year, and I'm looking forward to see what he does this year. Um, just Jurkin, I guess, a little bit, only because there was sort of this underlying, like, the Rangers have three goalies. Is he going to want to spend time in the AHL? Because this is a guy who ultimately has playing on the best team in the KHL. He's playing on basically the Rangers of the KHL, right? Like this infamous team who has a ton of money and everybody's probably treated like royalty. And why is he going to leave that to potentially go to Hartford? And goalies are voodoo. We don't know what's going to happen when it comes to the New York Rangers and their goalie situation. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist had to clarify a, a quote he made today where he was talking about how He's in it. He has his own agenda, which is to be a New York Ranger, but the team might have a different agenda, and that's a little bit different than what we heard, you know, last year. But 
it's really a non-story at this point either because Lundqvist doesn't want to go anywhere, and that's the be-all, end-all. And the Rangers did go to him two years ago and say, hey, do you want to be here? And he said yes. Um, he admitted that the year took kind of a toll on him, and who knows if the answer would still be yes, but there's nothing to get up in arms over at this point right now or, or really at all. But Chester can presents sort of a different problem for the Rangers because you have Georgiev who kind of proved he belonged, right? He kind of proved that there was this underlying goaltender who is very solid and should be here. Shesterkin has proven himself in a men's league. The only knock on Shesterkin is the fact that he's playing in front of basically a a murderer's row of defense, just the reverse of what the Rangers have. He's playing in front of the best defense in the league. And then you have Henrik Lundqvist and Mike what happens? I mean, what do the Rangers do? Somebody has to start in Hartford. Yeah, that's that's the... It's funny because, remember, you know, if we rewind to the beginning of last season, the Rangers, remember, like, they signed Dustin Tokarski and they they brought back Marek Mazanek and it's like, yeah, we need that goalie competition because uh, we don't know about Igor. I mean, we don't know about uh, Georgiev. And now, you know, as we look ahead at the horizon to see what's going to come next with what the hell happens with these goalies, it now becomes a question of, well, geez, one of these guys who's too good to be in the AHL is going to be there, and or the Rangers are going to feel so good about one of these Russian goaltenders, and I feel like the general consensus is that it would more likely be Igor that they move Georgiev, but you don't want to move a guy when you decide you have a problem. You want a team to come calling and you have the luxury of having too much talent and depth in that. Um, that is the better scenario because you can get more, right? I, damn, I, like, I, you know, as to be expected, there's the European assignment clause and, um, like, like I think you mentioned, we saw with Booch in, uh, in the post you had up about it and I don't think Shostorkin's going to want to bolt if the Rangers ask him to spend, you know, a month just getting used to the North American game in Hartford. I think that would be really surprising if that happened. Uh, what I well, and they have to happen, know at least on some level that it wouldn't because they did give him the European out clause. Yeah, yeah. So you don't do that without having a conversation with him, like, no, hey, no, no. we may need you to spend some time in Hartford, and he probably said, listen, so long as it's not. You know, an yeah. extended stay. I'll do whatever you need, but continue. Yeah, but and then I feel like what what really happens here, Joe, is that I mean, just like this past season, we we had a lot of fun watching the preseason because we got to see these kids and we got to see, you know, that's where Brett Howden really kind of emerged. And this the next preseason is going to be fascinating because everyone knows what Hen- Henrik Lundqvist is. I mean, he'll need a couple games to tune up and get get ready for the season, regardless of how many starts he's going to get. But yeah, like it, let it be a goalie showdown and let the, you know, let the chips fall where they may and move forward from there. The right answer here is to give it to the goaltender who looks the most NHL ready right now. And whoever wins that, or I should say, quote unquote, wins it, the loser isn't really a loser. Just having depth at the goaltending position that this team hasn't had in ages. And that's a very good thing to have. It's You want to be the team that teams come knocking and they say, hey, you have an overabundance of goalie prospects. 
we need a young goalie. What will it cost? Remember, think about what the Rangers got for Cam Talbot. You know what I mean? It's You can get a lot out of a trade for a young goalie, or a younger goalie, I should say. Yeah, and that's definitely something that the team will likely look into because they're going to have to. Henrik Lundqvist is here for two more years, maybe. Um, I guess there's an opportunity for the team to kind of talk to him about whether or not they want to put him out to pasture next year and trade him to a contender. Maybe they want to do it this year. Again, I I doubt it very highly. I think Henrik Lundqvist finishes his career um, with the New York Rangers. I think it is up for debate if he'll finish that career as the starting goalie, as difficult as that may or may not be to kind of consume but it, it's a reality that we're going to have to deal with some way or another. Um, the time of Henrik Lundqvist as a New York Ranger is coming to a swift end, be it this summer or two years from now, and we just need to be ready for it because there is no there is no like other side of you're not going to get another Henrik Lundqvist. Just Jurgen is not going to be another Henrik Lundqvist. Georgiev is not another Henrik Lundqvist. You're, you're going to go back to potentially having a great goaltender, but not a generational goaltender. Guys like Lundqvist don't, they don't grow on trees. You don't find them very often. So it is interesting that we're looking at this kind of two young guns are coming up through the ranks and they're trying to prove themselves. And I've said it in the banter slack. I would not be surprised if Igor Shostyorkin is the guy who's starting with the Rangers next year and not Georgiev. But goalies are voodoo. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what Shostyorkin is going to look like in front of a defense that is not what he's accustomed to. And there is a smaller ice surface and the game is faster. And there is generally more skill on an NHL ice surface than there is on a KHL ice surface. How much more evidence do we need that goalies are voodoo than these playoffs? I mean, yeah, you should need none. Like we've seen just insane goalie storylines all year. It's it's like the biggest storyline of this year is more teams moving to goalie platoons. We saw Mitch Korn, you know, help turn around, you know, Robin Lehner's career, and even though the Islanders are out now, like what an unbelievable season he had and then you look over at St. Louis with Bennington and like a guy who was like yeah he's pretty good in the AHL and all this like he's going to be runner up for the Calder like yeah it's it's insane to think about how hard it is right even I don't care if it's the eye test crowd or the analytics crowd or the folks that have you know a foot in both it's really damn hard to project what what makes a successful goalie or who a goalie is going to you know, turn into. I know there's, you know, all the buzz about Spencer Knight in the upcoming draft, and for good reason. He has all those indicators, but you never know, Joe. You just, you, it's so hard to tell. There's a reason, you know, Lundqvist went where he did in his own draft year for a reason. It's it's hard to know, and how, how the hell are you going to find those generational goalies? They're kind of few and far between. Yeah, like look at said. all the goaltenders. Don't grow on trees. Not at all. Look at all the goalies that the Rangers reached for in the second round or the third round or even the first round in some cases who they just turned out to be, you know, complete busts. And that that's what happens. It's almost like you never draft a running back in the first round because, yeah, they may be good, but they're going to break down eventually. And it's a position that you can fill with kind of depth picks, if you will. And it's the same thing with a goalie. You don't know. Look at If you look down the list of all the goaltenders in the NHL who are actually impact goaltenders, I think you'd be genuinely surprised at how many of them are not top 10, top 15, even first-round talents. And, you know, we have Spencer Knight, who's going to be drafted this year in the first round, who's supposedly one of the best goaltenders to kind of come up in the past decade. But 
again, so was Rick DiPietro at one point. So it's just, and that's not a knock on night. He very well may be, you know, the next coming. Who knows? But they are voodoo. You don't know what you're going to get. And that's not to say that getting Henrik Lundqvist in the seventh round is at all likely again. But it is, you know, it's possible that you can find the Rangers. Just Jurkin was a fourth round pick. And he's easily one of the best goalie prospects in the league, if not the best. Um, Final topic, Michael, and I'll let you kind of run run the uh, captain ship boat drive the bus on this one. Yeah, special boy. Uh, We thought we were going to have a fun interview for you. Oh, we did not. Um, We might set that up later. But, Mike, please talk about um, the... uh, women who are bonding together to try and uh, grow the game and create, I guess, a livable agreement for women's hockey. Yeah, so we saw a, a, another big splash on social media this time around. It's for the game, the for the game movement. Uh, the players involved are being very careful to say this is not a boycott, but um, in effect, it's a boycott of or players saying we're not going to play uh, pro hockey in North America this upcoming season. There's only one league left standing. That's the NWHL. Um, so in essence, it's we might they might maybe don't want to call it a boycott, Joe. But, you know, if it if it talks like a horse and has horseshoes on it and has a saddle and, you know, uses its tail to, to swat flies away. You know, you, you can call it a horse. Um, what the demands are are really reasonable. Players just want to be treated more like professionals. And a big part of that is uh, health insurance, uh, which has been, you know, been an issue thus far in, in the CWHL and the NWHL. And they want to be treated more like professional athletes. And that means a salary closer to a living wage um, or getting getting in that that neighborhood and so the thing that's so fascinating about this is that it this announcement came the I believe it was the day after the CWHL folded um, which was the first of this month then this news broke and it's players from all over the world from at my last count five different pro leagues uh, the Nostin Liga and Finland, uh, the SDHL in Sweden, former players of the CWHL, the NWHL, uh, players who played in Russia, all, all over the place. Collegiate players who have yet to make the jump to pros. You know, it's it's everyone, really. It's over 200 players, and in essence, they're saying we're not going to play until there's, you know, a better better design and a, and a better way to do this. And really what that means is, Joe, is they're kind of, negotiating or making they're combining their efforts very similar to in some ways to what we saw with the be bold for change campaign uh where the u.s women's national team boycotted or was preparing to boycott the 2017 worlds uh because of you know inequity between the compensation that men of usa hockey get compared to women they won that battle um and now i feel like the end game here is Gary Bettman putting his money where his mouth is, and if the NWHL buckles or if something breaks, maybe, you know, something changes. The point here is that Bettman said, I'm not going to have make my own women's league under the NHL, which people generally just call shorthand as the WNHL, you know, very similar to the model of the WNBA. I'm not going to make a league. 
if there are still leagues standing, I don't want to compete and be viewed as a bully. So the players essentially are kind of paving paving the road to that eventuality, right? And that would mean the NHL's, you know, considerable resources and structure and, you know, that would get them far closer to things like that would get them honestly being treated more like professional athletes than we've seen thus far in, in North American pro women's hockey. So it's a big deal. Uh, the NHLPA made its own statement of support. Um, yeah, so did the NFL. Was it a statement of support? I don't know. It was pretty. It was pretty soft. Was I, soft. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it's worth saying that. And I did want to touch on this anyway. And you know, I'll let you continue. But it's. I think it's critical to talk about it in the context of you mentioning it, which is the NHLPA had two days to come up with a statement. And it is interesting because one of the things that's come up with the women kind of taking the stance is if the NHL were to go through and fund a league like this, would the money come from the NHL's revenue? Would it come from the players' revenue? Would it be part of that? What is the terminology that we hear all the time in the CBA? The hockey defined revenue, revenue. yeah, hockey related revenue. That's exactly what it is. So you would it like, I expected more support out of the NHLPA, even if just for show. And to have two sentences is like the NFLPA wrote one sentence that was directly after this news came out that was more powerful than what the NHLPA did. And I I even tweeted like, we care, but we don't care enough to really care. I expected more support out of the NHLPA. Again, I talk about this all the time with the NHL. You can put the NHLPA in here too. There are such easy PR battles to win. And the NHL, for whatever reason, can't get out of their own way to do it. And this was an easy opportunity for the NHLPA to be like, yes, there's absolutely no reason why these women should not be able to have basic amenities that come with a job, health insurance, a livable wage, whatever it may be. It doesn't need to be a novel just we support them, we're going to be here to help them, whatever we can do to help them, just something like that. Not like we res- their dis- judgment needs to be respected. It's, a- again, like, don't even say anything then, because... Yeah, it's almost better like, what, to say nothing than what they right, said, what are you, because what you're they not, said is just, it's nothing. so... It's passionless, it's it doesn't have any... It doesn't mean anything, it's just like, you know, we saw it retweeted everywhere, because I feel like people are... Just like, oh yeah, this happened, which is interesting actually, because the NHLPA was uh, was had close ties to the CWHL, the the league that had folded, you know, that sponsorship and you know players in the CWHL at one point even had uh, you know patches of the NHLPA on their jerseys. Like, it, you would you would imagine it would be a little more than than two short sentences that were kind of passionless, but it is. I mean, it's something and. The reason this is a big deal for, you know, I know not not everyone who listens to the show has a lot of stock invested in this, is this is, you know, we, we can't pretend that women's hockey doesn't matter. We know, I think Nielsen ratings show that uh, 84% of people who watch sports also care about women's athletics and want women's more women's athletics on television. You know, we've seen in the past year, like, the, the amount of growth and breakthroughs in women's hockey and with what we saw at the skills competition that proved, you know, just how talented these players are. And, you know, it's 
it's ironic in a way because the success of the NWHL, four out of their five teams have NHL partnerships now. Um, and the players are kind of risking the progress made in the NWHL. And they have their first profitable team with the Whitecaps. And they're risking that for something bigger and better, which is very brave. But, you know, there is risk involved here. So we'll have to see what happens, Joe. Um, it's a long you know, it's it's early May now. It's still a long road uh, to get to, you know, next season. But the NWHL has said we plan on having a season. And, you know, I did the math. They need roughly 100 players. And almost every player of note, every, you know, every, every player you'd ever consider to be in the top 25, 50 players in the world, they're all a part of this movement. And that movement comes with a pledge that you're not going to play next season in, in North America. So we could see a lot of things happen. We could see a lot of these players end up playing overseas. Um, we could see a lot of them, you know, maybe just stepping off the ice now and never getting back on it as a pro. And that's a price that a lot of them seem to be willing to pay. And, you know, we, we know all about labor disputes in the NHL, Joe. Uh, this is a, an important battle that's happening in the world of hockey. We'll keep an eye on it as it goes as well. Mike Murphy writes for the Ice Garden, and he is our uh, residential women's hockey expert. Um, Adam Nowick, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Alex Nemzubalev. I'm almost positive I got that one right. Um, Armel Kistner, Andre Chikagoff, Andy from New Jersey, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Bob Cowa, Chris Habibi, Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor, Craig Loshin? Loshlin? We have a bunch of new patrons, which is great. Um, I can't pronounce any of their names, which is bad. Uh, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, uh, David L. Singer, Eric Kohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zatlowski, James Dangles, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Jordan Sassone, Joshua Zarkin, Keith Franchillo, Guy from Montana, Michael Alsante, Michael Kanick. Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Panero in 2020, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you all for donating. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. We're getting a bunch of questions you, about whether or not handsome people faces. like they want those stickers. Well, you know what? You get the stickers by being a $5 a month patron. Go on to iTunes. Leave us some nice five-star ratings and comments. Some of those came in the other week. That was wonderful. And um, we love you all. And sometimes Mike forgets that he sent you stickers already, and then he sends you two two shipments of stickers. Yeah, how much of a benefit is that? If I'm you receive two shipments of stickers, you are to return the stickers immediately with $20 for our trouble. And an apology note for By law. Banter law. And a harmonica. Cassowary law. Ostrich law. Bird Boom law. goes the dynamite. 